Hallelujah. Oh, it's wonderful to be with family tonight, the family of God here at Axe Church Bradford. Welcome, everyone. And we look forward to the most wonderful time with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're actually going to look at uh, Daniel 2 this evening. And I'm just going to read uh, from Daniel 2 to start us off from verse 31. And I think that's going to be, it's up on the screen there. So that's great. This is a passage, um, I'll just give you a bit of background, uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream. And he asked for interpretation of the dream. In fact, he actually asked uh, for people to tell him what the dream was. He wasn't prepared to tell any of his wise men the dream. And the wise men said, oh, it's impossible. We can't do it. And so King Nebuchadnezzar said, right, you're all gone. I'm going to have you all killed. Um, and he, he sent his commander. And the commander came to Daniel and he said, oh, just a minute. Just a minute, I'll have a word with my living God, and he will tell me the dream. So uh, it was all put on pause, and Daniel uh, went to the king, and this is what he said. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron, partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, uh, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken into pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in, a, in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now... We will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. Uh, the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet... It will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. And as the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, 
so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. I'm going to repeat that. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. It's good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff. Oh, praise God for his word. Now, before we start talking about the statue, there's just a couple of points I'd like to highlight from that passage. Um, And it is the one that I repeated, you know, that that God will establish his kingdom on earth, which will never be destroyed and will never come to an end. Does that give us great hope? Do we have our trust in God when we read that? Oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. Now, uh, some people might think that that is the second coming of Christ. Some people think that that has already happened uh, in the first coming of Christ, the rock hitting the statue. There are varying thoughts on it, and I'm not going to dictate which one we're going to run with uh, here tonight. Um, But uh, certainly in Obadiah 15, it says, The day of the Lord is near for all nations. This is the point. Uh, that we're going to focus on this evening. Uh, The time is coming. The time is near. The second coming of Christ. Uh, And time is short. And at the end of time, there will be uh, a harvest, end time harvest. And that's what we're praying into, the revival. So I want us to be emboldened tonight. I want us to be really fired up to pray this revival in, a move of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some uh, that think uh, that the Old Testament prophets uh, couldn't see the church age. It's never mentioned. Uh, The church age is never mentioned by the Old Testament prophets. And so um, I'm just going to jump to um, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And then I'm going to suggest here that this is a jump past the the church times, the times that we're in now. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Again, let's focus on that from that time on and forever, whenever that time is, whenever our interpretation is of that time, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. 
The other part I'd like to reflect on as well, just before we start looking at the um, statue, is verse 37 uh, from Daniel 2, verse 37. I'm just going to go back and reread that. This is Daniel speaking to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. So we've got to recognize that Daniel is a noble Jewish youth, still in his teens at this point. Uh, but he's in exile. He's in captivity. He's now a slave, uh, been taken uh, to Babylon. He's a slave in a foreign land, and the king is not of his religion. It's, uh, he doesn't recognize uh, God. Yet, let's just know how Daniel speaks to him. And I want us to keep this in mind because we're at the end of um, uh, what I'm going to be talking about this evening, I want to encourage us to pray. And this is, I'm going to take us to 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. Um, we're going to look at it later, but I'd like to look at it now as well. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, for all in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. It's important that we pray for those in authority, and I'm going to encourage us to do that later on. Okay, let's go to the statue. Let's consider this statue. Uh, it sounds quite grand, doesn't it? Uh, now, Daniel's interpretation was that the Babylonian kingdom was the head of gold. Now, what do we see here in this kingdom? We see uh, sorcery. We see magicians. We see witchcraft and the occult. We see astrology. Now, these are all not of God. These are all of the enemy. We also see injustice and violence. I've just recounted what the king was going to do to all his wise men because they couldn't tell him his dream. Uh, there was also a lot of splendor there as well. We know that um, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were part of the wonders of the world at that time. And Babylon was reputed to be the most amazing place. And I think we can also say that later on in the book of Daniel, we read that um, an actual statue was constructed of King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he wanted people to worship it. And of course, we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to worship that idol that was made of the king, and they ended up in the fiery furnace. Uh, but of course, it was a great outcome for God in that situation as well. This was not a kingdom of God. It's represented by gold. And uh, I'm just throwing in this fact here. It's one of the densest metals in the world, although, ironically, it's soft and malleable. Uh, I, I, uh, this was uh, interesting to me. I didn't realize this until I started looking into it. 
Now, gold is also one of the most expensive metals in the world, too. And, and the fact is that wealth is stored in gold bullion bars um, indicates as much. Now, we're going to move down from the head of gold to the chest and arms of silver. Now, the body has two arms, and thus we see uh, two kingdoms coming together here, the Medes and the Persians. Now, who were inst introduced to great immorality uh, in the world here through the Medes and the Persians? And yet again, this kingdom rejects God. We know that silver is inferior to gold in price and less dense. There's less splendor, if you will, about silver when compared to gold. And Daniel actually prophesies that the next kingdom, uh, as he's speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar, will be inferior to that one of Babylon. As we progress further down uh, the statue, we see belly and thighs of bronze. We can perhaps think of um, uh, a toga at this point. This depicts the Greek empire. The Greeks brought with them intellect, reasoning, and culture. They rejected God and set up their kingdom without him. Uh, we get introduced to Alexander the Great here at this time, who at the age of 36 died, it is said, uh, in a drunken orgy, having said, well, what else is there for me to conquer? He was a driven man, driven uh, to war and, and bloodthirsty. Um, this was not a man of God. Bronze, again, is less dense and less prized than gold and silver. And we move down to the legs of iron. And this dep depicts the human might of Rome. Uh, there are two legs, so we can see that these represent the Western Roman Empire and the Eastern Roman Empire. Iron is less dense than any of the metals that we've spoken about so far and is, of course, less valuable. I want to just put this in context now in, in time. We're actually going back to um, around uh, 600, even beyond 600 BC for the Babylonians, um, around uh, 540 for the Medo-Persians. Uh, this is BC. Um, uh, Greece, 331 BC and then the Roman Empire, about 168 uh, BC. We can see that, that this statue from the top is actually devolving. Um, it's not evolving. Uh, we are led to believe that evolution is uh, something that we are to put our belief in today. And, and yet, um, we can see devolution here in this statue. Before we continue on to the feet of iron and clay, I just want us to reflect using scripture to help us understand the difference between the kingdoms we've talked about and the kingdom of God. You see, each king was out for his own glory and rejected God. Satan wants to be worshipped as God. It has been so from the beginning, and that is why he was cast out of heaven. In both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we read that Satan asked Jesus to worship him during the times of the temptations when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness. And he eventually wants to set up his own throne 
here on earth through the Antichrist so that he may be worshipped as God. But let's get back to scripture, the word of God. 1 John 5, 21 tells us, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols and rebellion. 1 Samuel 15, 23, For rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Considering injustice, we read in Micah 6, 8, that we are to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We can read about immorality in Galatians 5, 19 and 20. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then moving on to intellectualism, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on or do not depend on your own understanding. And what about the human might we find in Rome? Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I love how we've, we've not just got says the Lord, but says the Lord Almighty. Because no matter how much might man has on earth, God is almighty. Hallelujah. 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 We have the victory in Jesus. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Jesus will set up his kingdom here on earth and it will be an everlasting kingdom. That is the word of God and the word of God stands. Hallelujah. I'm going to go back again to Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And perhaps we can just look back to when Angel Gabriel spoke to Mary. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. Are we on the winning side? Are we on the right side? We're on the side of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, coming on to the feet and the toes, there are many different lines of thought about this, many different interpretations. 
Some think um, that they were uh, the uh, churches, or, or the sorry, how Rome was split into ten, uh, ten at the time uh, of Jesus coming. Uh, others think uh, that this is uh, beyond that time. Um, there are some that think the church age is a mystery uh, to the people of the Old Testament. Uh, God didn't reveal it to them. And so we need to remember this when we consider this interpretation of, of the Tours. Now, there have been kingdoms that have arisen. Uh, and although I'm not a historian, we might uh, reflect on, say, Napoleon or Hannibal or, or Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini. And, and I just came across this quote, and I really wanted to share this with you from Mussolini. Um, he said, I have asked the devil for the desires of my heart. The devil doesn't give good things. We are told that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it's Jesus. He is the one that brings life and life in all its abundance. Hallelujah. The feet of clay and iron. Well, there are weak elements to this kingdom, as well as the human strength of iron. But it is still against God. If we look at the two feet, some uh, identify them as Great Britain and the USA. If we look at the ten tours, others again would say that these equate to representing a conglomeration of nations. Um, some weak, some strong. Could we be looking at the United uh, Nations? Could we be looking at the European Union? We are told uh, that one of the signs of the second coming of Jesus is the reemergence of the Roman Empire. Now, this could be, uh, I, I looked up how many Catholics there are in the world. 1.2 billion. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, of course, we must remember that the Roman Empire um, took on Christianity um, through Constantine. So... <laughs> You know, this could be something from the past. It could be something uh, for, for now or so even something for the future, something we've not yet seen, a prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Whatever it is, whenever we look to man and his kingdoms, we are going to be disappointed, but not so with God. We are assured that nothing of this world comes anywhere close to what Jesus is going to do on his return, the second coming. Some would interpret the rock uh, not, uh, that is not cut by human hands. Well, we know this is Jesus, don't we? We refer to Jesus uh, as the rock many times. And he's not cut by human hands. He's supernatural. Um, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And on his second coming on the earth, he will strike the statue at the feet. Uh, that is the kingdoms of this world. And you know what? It'll crumble. It will crumble. And 
it will be blown away as dust. Now, we are living in the end times. Whatever our interpretation of that, um, that statue is, we are living in end times. Jesus is coming back soon. He will establish his kingdom and it will last forever. Now, the downside of us living in these times is that all those elements of that statue, do we still see them evident in today's society? Witchcraft, occult, immorality. reasoning, culture, the might of men. If we could just consider how the world is at the moment, can we see all these elements? Yes. Yes, we can. The statue represents an image of a man, an idol. The man has been set up and worshipped in prayer in place of the living Lord God. No wonder Jesus hits it at the feet, the place where men worship, and completely takes it out. But what does it say to us today? Whatever the interpretation, what does it say to us today? Hold fast to God. Separate ourselves from the world. We, we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. We must not uh, put our trust in it. We put our trust in God and not man. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We have that security. We are more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are filled with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. We are already guaranteed eternal life. In other words, whatever we see or hear from this world, let us not respond in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. Oh, I'd love it if the Holy Spirit has really dropped something into your spirit from tonight's teaching that motivates us to become bold, uh, to give us a, a, a greater sense of urgency as we pray for revival. That's what we're here for tonight. We are reassured that God has given us a plan from the very beginning. And we who are in Christ come out victorious. Hallelujah. The dream uh, that God allowed Daniel to interpret goes back to, to, to beyond 600 BC. And here we are now, 2023. Is it still playing out today? That might be one interpretation. But I would encourage us to pray boldly tonight. If you've never prayed on this mic, let tonight be the night that a new boldness comes to you. Have confidence that the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And through the fervent prayers of a righteous man, much is accomplished. I'm specifically going to ask us to pray for five things tonight. And I'm going back to that scripture from 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. We need to pray for those in authority. In our own country, we've got someone in the government, the head of government. They're not of our God, are they? They're not of our God. We need to pray for them. We need to remember how Daniel spoke of uh, that king, Nebuchadnezzar. And we need to pray for our, uh, the people that are in authority in our own lives, that we might be able to share the gospel freely, that it goes out freely and is received, um, having created an atmosphere of peace. 
And I also want us to pray for the ministers of the gospel, for one another. In fact, for the whole body of Christ, as if in Ephesians 6, 8 tells us. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We're the saints, guys. Uh, everybody that is working for the kingdom are the saints. Hallelujah. That we be bold and not grow faint. Luke 18, 1 tells us, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. For the latter rain, we've already had the former rain in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came on earth, James 5, 7 says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. We've had the spring rains. But it's the latter rain, the latter rain. With all that in mind, let us pray for the reaping of the harvest of souls in the world. Worldwide revival that has been prophesied. And Michael calls this a year of breakthrough. 2023. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in doing good. For the, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I say to you, Acts Church Bradford, this is the proper time. We're going to reap this harvest. And I want us to be in unity tonight as we come to prayer. We are one body under one head, Jesus Christ. We can pray asking for the move of the Spirit in us that keeps us humble. We can pray for our congregation that helps us take our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on them. And for our community, igniting our compassion. We can do all things in Christ, through Christ who strengthens us. Acts Church Bradford, let us not be weary, but stay strong and allow the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, strengthen and empower us. Rather than us seeing giants in the promised land of Bradford, of drugs, poverty, unbelief, false gods, prostitution and so much more. Let us be Caleb's. Let us be Joshua's, seeing the land of milk and honey. Let's defeat the giants in our land by spiritual warfare. So that Bradford can indeed be the reality of beautiful and blessed that we declare and speak over it. Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And we come to a time of prayer and we call, we call on Jesus now. Jesus, won't you bless our land? Won't you deliver our land and heal our land? Lord, we want to see it blessed and filled with your people. And only an end time revival can do that. We pray down the latter rain, Lord. We pray for the move of the Spirit in Bradford. And that we may be your servants to help gather in the harvest. Lord, we ask for the angels to help us. We call on your angels, Lord, to do battle in the heavenlies. We ask for your angels to gather in the finances, to buy new buildings so that we, we might multiply what you are doing here in and through Acts Church Bradford. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Blow through Bradford. Blow through us, Lord. 
Amen. Amen. Please come and, and use the mic tonight. And let's pray this revival into being. Hallelujah. Amen.